You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Third down, inches to go. Debater. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to count. Good Thursday afternoon, guys. We are over the hump. The weekend is right around the corner. We've got great weather all across the country. Everything's warming up. There's going to be grills fired up, smokers running all day, all night long. And it's just going to be adding to the obesity of this country. Guys, I'm creeping up on my 39th birthday. And uh, I'm really trying to watch the weight. I I really want to come into my 40s um, in the best shape of my life. And, and I got in the best shape of my life a couple years ago. And uh, since joining this little community here, podcasting, and being, uh, uh, being inducted into what I call the meat cult, right? Where everybody on Twitter who's following Ryan, who keeps up with Packernet Podcast, constantly sharing what they're, what they're smoking on the smoker, what they're you know what they're eating for dinner there's always food i can't do it you guys you guys are are absolutely ruining the game plan for me and i think it's time that i probably request a trade so i can get this diet back on track <laughs> but anyway welcome into packers total access i'm your host clayton bailey you can check us out on packernet.com you can also find me on twitter at packers underscore access and i do want to say thanks to everyone who's given us a follow on twitter <clears throat> that, that account is it's absolutely blowing up and it's really really cool um so if, you, if you're hearing my voice you're not following us yet go give us a follow here's the thing about us too we follow everybody back this isn't one of those accounts where we're looking at the ratio I, it cracks me up how many people's identity is tied up and um the fact that they're following less people than are following them that that always makes me chuckle but anyway go give us a follow on there um tweeted out some stuff last night i thought it was just kind of a it really it was just spur of the moment um i decided you know i'm gonna sit down and watch some packer videos tonight right well what do i want to watch you want to watch a football live vince lombardi you know don't want to go you know back even further and watch a documentary on lambos uh, packers what do i want to do here right so what I decided on was I landed on the 1992 Green Bay Packers and Brett Favre's very first game, right, where he came in for Don Mikowski, who got injured. And uh, and I don't know what triggered it. I've heard of other people doing this, but it wasn't planned. I just sat down and I took a picture of the screen when it showed Don Mikowski rolled his ankle up, right? And uh, I just tweeted out, you know, a tweet as if I was watching the game back in 1992, and I'm telling you, Twitter blew up, dude. The responses I was getting was just awesome. It was almost as if people were watching the game with me. And what was so cool is I know everyone wasn't watching the game that I was watching, but they're such avid fans, right? 
that they knew everything that happened in that game. And they were calling stuff out to me as I, when I would mention something, they would say something specifically about it. It was just unbelievable. unbelievable. I would never have been able to do that if I hadn't been watching the game. And you guys were just rattling it off as if you were watching the game. You, you still remember that day that vividly. It's pretty cool. Really, really cool. But um, anyway, go give us a follow on Twitter. Now, what do we got on tap for the show today? It's going to be kind of a quick show. Um, as you guys know, it's uh, kind of a slow news cycle at the moment. Jair Alexander got his contract. We already covered that. But uh, I thought, why not make this the running back episode? Everybody loves a good running game, right? A lot of the talk around the league right now when it comes to the Packers, or around the media, I should say, is they're really going to have to lean on the running game. You know, they don't have Devontae Adams anymore. First of all, I don't think that's true. Um, I, I think they're still going to wing the thing around the yard. I really do. Um, I think that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to pass as much as he has, you know, the last couple of years. But I thought it would be cool to kind of look at the running game. We've gotten tremendous production in the in you know in the running game between Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Now we're hoping that Kylan Hill is uh, is healthy now. You know, a lot of people have forgotten about Kylan Hill. You know, he he hurt his knee there last year on the kickoff return, and he was really showing promise, right? And, uh, and the fact that the Packers have got him as a third-string running back is, is pretty impressive. But really the two that I want to talk about um, are A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. So when I started digging into that and going, okay, well, what can we do for the history segment? One name came to mind, and you've probably heard of it. And that's Hall of Famer fullback Jim Taylor, one of my all-time favorite Green Bay Packers. And we're going to talk about him, talk a little bit about um, his upbringing, and we're going to talk about his statistics and, and kind of what he did, you know, for playing for the Packers and playing for Lombardi. As fullback, as you guys know, he was a crucial part of that Packers sweep. A lot of people look at him as a, a blocking back and how, um, you know, he kind of led the way for, uh, for um, Paul Hornig. And Paul Horning was kind of the showcase back there. But, you know, they ran that weak side sweep. And I'd love to get Coach Hahn's take on this sometime. We might have him on the show sometime soon and uh, and get his take on that weak side sweep because everybody sees the power sweep right to the strong side where you see Jerry Kramer and Fuzzy Thurston both pulling. And, and it's just, you know, these iconic images. I have them hanging right here in my studio. Um, but that weak side run was to Jim Taylor. And I'm telling you, it was blunt force trauma given the ball to Jim Taylor. So we're going to cover him. And as far as Aaron Jones and uh, and A.J. Dillon, I thought, let's look at the current running back room. And we all know that that big cap hit is is, holding, is hanging heavy um, over the Packers for Aaron Jones, right? It's coming up, I believe it's next year. It's going to be a $20 million cap hit, if I remember right. And we'll look at the contract and get all the details here in a second. But I want to kind of see, all right, how have both of them performed and what would be the most likely scenario that the Green Bay Packers, uh, you know, approach as they move forward? Do they keep them both? How is that going to look? How would it work with that kind of cap hit for Aaron Jones? So we're going to cover that as well. And, uh, and then we'll get you guys out of here. So I thought it'd just be a cool little episode to do that. Jim Taylor himself is worth the whole episode, um, in my opinion. But we'll uh, we'll touch on the uh, the current running back room as well. But as we kick off the history segment here, I want to read a little bit of feedback to you guys. This came uh, on Twitter in the inbox. And you guys remember a couple episodes ago, I did an, uh, a history segment on just the city of Green Bay and, and kind of how high school football really triggered um, 
you know, the love of football in the Green Bay community. And it's, it's a, really, I believe, the, the sole reason that, um, that the Packers exist in Green Bay. Well, we got some feedback. And this is from at CA Cheesehead 716. <clears throat> I found out later that stands for California Cheesehead. So this is a Packer backer located in Cali. He said, Clayton, love the pod. Really love the history segments. Your east side versus west side stories rang true. I've got a couple to share. My dad was born in West Pier, about five miles from Green Bay, in the late 1920s. He lived there until he finished high school and joined the Navy, which allowed him to travel the world. First of all, thank you for the sacrifice that, that your, uh, your father made and, and your family you know, that's not an easy thing to be a family member of a, of a service member, you know, whether it's in the uh, any branch of the military and moving around and, and making sacrifices, especially the spouses. Man, the spouses make such a sacrifice, and it's all for the, the good of the country and and in the name of service, and that's something that, that we definitely don't take lightly. So we really, really appreciate what your family represents and, and what they did for the country. It says he lived there until he finished high school and joined the Navy, which allowed him to travel the world. When he returned to the pier at, round, at around the age of 25, he married a girl from the east side, bought a house on the east side, and raised five kids on the east side. When he died a few years ago, okay, there you go, at the age of 90, wow, what a life. When he died a few years ago at the age of 90, <clears throat> he hadn't lived on the west side for over 70 years. However, he always considered himself a west sider. Similarly, I was born in East Pier, and I lived there until I moved to California in the late 80s. I still consider myself an East Sider. Loyalty to one's side of the river never leaves. You guys remember we talked about that. That's definitely a, a true story of how there's this little rivalry between the East Side and the West Side of Green Bay. It says, One of my earliest memories as a kid was of a high school prank pulled off by some West Siders. East Pier High School was located on the banks of the Fox River. Late one night on the eve of the big rivalry football game, some West Side kids came over and did something to a four-foot section of the lawn in front of East High School that left a gigantic W in the lawn. I'm I'm not sure what they used, but that spot of lawn never grew back. For the next 15 to 20 years, the school tried planting grass, flowers, bushes, trees, etc., and whatever they put in that spot died. It was simply a dead section of grass. The W was long gone, and the but the empty circle remained as a lasting memory of a very successful West Side prank. Eventually, they just paved over it. How cool is that? You know, we were talking about how how these high school teams prank prank each other, and, and it's just these bitter rivalries all across the country. But there in Green Bay, there is a, a personalized story, you know, a specific story, right, from a Green Bay native of just uh, kind of confirming uh, all of the reports of how East Green Bay High and West Green Bay High actually, you know, they they the rival was so strong they absolutely hated each other. And they would pull those type of pranks. So I thought that was really cool. First of all, um, California Cheesehead, thank you for sharing that story. And uh, again, I'm sorry for the loss of your father. And uh, I think you said what was a few years ago. I actually lost my mother a, a couple of years ago. I know what that's like. Um, but man, 90 years old, dude, that's that's a great life. What a great life lived. And again, thank your family for uh, for their sacrifice and their service. Because again, it's not it's not just a man or a woman that serves their country. Uh, the family definitely serves as well in the sacrifices that they they make. So let's get on to the uh, the Jim Taylor segment. All right. So we're going to jump into Jim Taylor here, 
And this is one of my all-time favorite Packers just because of the toughness, right? He's right there with Ray Nitschke. He was kind of the equivalent of Ray Nitschke, but on the offensive side of the ball. And just a little background about his upbringing. He was born on September 20th, 1935. It's actually one day um, after my birthday. Pretty cool. I'm born on September 19th. So he's a, a Virgo as well. He was an American football fullback who uh, who played professionally in the National Football League for 10 seasons with the Green Bay Packers and then the expansion New Orleans Saints. Okay, In his early years, he was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana on September 20th, 1935. James Charles Taylor had two paper routes to help his widowed mother make ends meet. He delivered the morning and afternoon routes by bicycle for $3 a week, which helped to develop his leg muscles. Though he did not play football until his junior year, he was a star athlete in four sports at Baton Rouge High School and graduated in 1954. He stayed in town and played college football at LSU for coach Paul Dietzel's LSU Tiger football team. Taylor played on LSU's freshman team in 1954, but due to struggles in the classroom, he transferred to the Heinz Community College in Raymond, Mississippi as a sophomore, where he met his future wife, Dixie Grant. He then returned to LSU as a junior. All right, let's fast forward to the Green Bay history. First of all, pretty cool. Another story of someone who obviously uh, at a very young age lost his father, much like Ray Nitschke. And uh, it just so happens that those those tend to be the two meanest players, right? The two, the two toughest players on Lombardi's Packers, one on offense, one on defense. I don't think there's no coincidence there. Um, and, and the fact that he had to help his widowed mother make ends meet by delivering papers at a, at a young age, pretty cool. Kind of kind of shows you how his upbringing molded him into the hard worker he, he ended up being. But um, Taylor was selected by the Packers in the second round of the 1958 NFL Draft uh, as the 15th overall pick, taken in December of 1957 while Lyle Blackburn was still the head coach. His rookie contract was worth $9,500. His rookie contract, guys, was worth $9,500. That draft for the Packers included future stars Dan Curry, Ray Nitschke, and Jerry Kramer. If you guys remember, we talked about that. That was a draft class put together um, by very own Jack Venisi, right? He was the guy that, that was uh, the scout that we covered on a past episode. Just an amazing, amazing man. Um, but the 1958 team finished with the worst record in the league and the franchise's worst ever through 2016. Under first-year NFL head coach Ray Scooter McLean, Taylor was used sparingly as a rookie. But in the game at Kaiser Stadium, he gained 137 yards on 22 carries and a 48-21 loss to the San Francisco 49ers. And his running style brought cheers from the San Francisco fans. Well, with a one-year contract that was not to be renewed, McLean (coughs) resigned days after the season and was replaced by Vince Lombardi in January 1959. When Lombardi took over, Taylor became the feature back of the Packers, especially in short yardage situations. Taylor teamed with backfield mate halfback Paul Horning to form a tandem that Green Bay fans affectionately called Thunder and Lightning. Pretty cool story. Listen to this. Um, side, side note, I'm going to hit pause on the story here. Um, when when they were replaced, when Paul Horning um, left the Packers and then Jim Taylor went to, uh, I think it was New Orleans to play for the Saints there in his ho- hometown of, uh, you know, down in Louisiana, um, they drafted two running backs, right? It was Donnie Anderson and uh, Jim Grabowski, okay? What's funny is you just heard that nickname, right? They were known as Thunder and Lightning. 
Um, Paul Horning and Jim Taylor were known as Thunder and Lightning. They said that <laughs> when when those two players were drafted, Horning and Jim Taylor was off the team, right? That teammates, one of the teammates made a comment and said, we, we used to have Thunder and Lightning, and now we have Cloudy and Drizzle. I thought that was just hilarious. Um, so... They were known as Thunder and Lightning due to Taylor's power and Horning's agility. In 1960, Taylor rushed for 1,101 yards on a league-high 230 carries and scored 11 touchdowns. Packers finished with an 8-4 record and met the Philadelphia Eagles in the 1960 NFL Championship. So you can kind of see how when when Lombardi arrived, he he already knew what he what he needed to do with his offense. He wanted to run the power sweep. He has Paul Horning for short yardage. He has, uh, I'm sorry, Paul Horning for, you know, the outside runs, you know, using speed, agility, that type of thing. And then he used Jim Taylor for an absolute battering ram. It was just a great, great, great combination. So I want to kind of give you guys an idea of what his stats look like, okay? His overall stats, this is in his entire career, he ended up rushing for a total of 8,597 yards. He had 83 touchdowns. And he averaged throughout his entire career, he averaged 4.4 yards per carry. The The two years that are most notable to me are 1961 and 1962. In both of those years, he averaged 5.4 yards per carry. You know, you heard Ryan talking about how rare it is that a running back averages five yards per carry. Aaron Jones did it, I believe, if I remember correctly, two years. He averaged five yards per carry. And uh, here with Jim Taylor in his nine-year career, right, his nine-season career, he rushed for over five yards per carry in three different seasons. He was just a monster, just an absolute stud at the fullback position. Um, I'm going to read a couple of quotes here as we wrap this segment up. Um, Things that, that people said about Jim uh, about Jim Taylor. This was actually uh, Vince Lombardi that said this. He said, quote, Jim Brown, if you guys remember, Jim Brown, arguably the greatest running back to ever play the game. Um, he played for the Cleveland Browns. It said, Jim Brown will give you that leg and then take it from you. Lombardi was quoted as saying by the Hall of Fame, Jim Taylor will give it to you and then ram it right through your chest. <laughs> so you can kind of see the type of player that uh that he was you know just a just a hard-nosed hard-nosed football player another quote that i thought was really really cool it says most people ran away from a tackler not taylor abe woodson the san francisco 49ers pro bowl defensive back toe bob carroll in the oral story quote or title when the grass was real even if he had a clear path to the goal line jim taylor he'd look for a defensive back to run over on the way so imagine this guy rambling down the field. You got a clear, clear line to the to the goal line, right? And he was literally looking for defensive backs to run over. And I remember in another another story, he was quoted as saying, "You know, I'm going to punish the tackler. The tacklers are trying to hurt me. I'm going to try to hurt the tacklers. I'm going to try to wear the tacklers down. I'm not going to run away from contact. I'm going to seek contact." That was the kind of football player that Jim Taylor was. And here's an article on his playing style. It says, although not exceptional in size at 6 feet, 215 pounds, Taylor was a physical fullback. He sought contact on every play. According with his philosophy, 
Um, football is a contact sport. You've got to make them respect you. You've got to punish tacklers. You've got to deal out more misery than the tacklers deal out to you. He was widely acknowledged by his by his peers as one of the toughest, meanest players in the NFL. Former quarterback Bobby Lane listed him as one of, quote, pro football's 11 meanest men in an article for Sport Magazine in 1964. Packers linebacker Ray Nitschke said, quote, in 15 years with the pros, he's one of the toughest men I ever played against, and we were on the same team. He'd hurt you when you tackled him. He was difficult to tackle as he fought for, for ex every extra yard. Giants linebacker Sam Huff proposed a rule change specifically in Taylor's case per NFL rules piling on after a play invokes an unnecessary roughness penalty. But Huff argued, quote, you got to pile on him a little to keep to keep him down. So Sam Huff, one of the one of the toughest players to ever play the linebacker position. Quoted as saying, you got to pile on him a little just to keep him down. Despite the punishment, his body took through his career, Taylor remained relatively injury-free compared to other power running backs. He remained in good health, even in his later years, which he accredited to his great conditioning. Taylor was inducted into the Green Bay Packer Hall of Fame in 1975. The following year, he was elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was the first Packers player from the Lombardi era to be inducted. I did not know that. That is awesome. Marie Lombardi, Vince's widow, was chosen as Taylor's presenter. In 2014, uh, the Times Picanyi ranked Taylor's 23rd, ranked Taylor 23rd on the list of Louisiana's all-time greatest athletes. He was elected to the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame in 1974 and the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame in 2001. His number 31 jersey is retired by the Saints. The Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee named Taylor to its NFL's 1960s All-Decade Team which comprised the best players of the 1960s at each position. Taylor became a successful businessman after his football career. He was commissioner of the United States Rugby League in 1978 and attempted to start a 12-team competition. He also maintained his physical condition well after his playing days. He participated in the Superstars competition in 1977 and finished fourth in 1979. In 1982, Taylor did play-by-play -play with Paul Horning for Tiger Vision, LSU's pay-per-view broadcast. In 2000, age 65, he was jogging five to six miles daily just to stay in shape. Taylor was diagnosed with hepatitis C in 1989, but it was found to be dormant by 2000. Taylor died on October 13, 2018 at the age of 83 at a hospital in Baton Rouge. No cause was given. Later that day, the 2018 Tigers honored Taylor with a moment of silence prior to their 36-16 victory over then number two Georgia at Tiger Stadium. So you can just tell the impact this man made, especially there in his home state of Louisiana, um, the fact that they honored him that much. He was a Super Bowl one champion, four-time NFL champion in 1961, 62, 65, and 66. He was the NFL MVP in 1962, three-time three-time first-team All-Pro from 1960 to 1962, um, five-time Pro Bowler, uh, NFL rushing yards leader in 1962, um, two-time NFL rushing touchdowns leader, uh, NFL scoring leader in 1962, um, NFL 1960s All-Decade team. Dude just absolutely dominated. I mean, he dominated. And obviously 1962 was the, the year where he really hit his peak 
and um, and and had the most success for the Green Bay Packers. So if you want to check out Jim Taylor and see what he's all about, I guarantee you could go to YouTube and you could search 1962 Green Bay Packers highlights or maybe even a full game in 62. Um, you know, NFL Films started doing that stuff way, way, way back in the day. I'm sure you can find – you might even be able to find a clip of him uh, playing in a championship game. I think they might have played the Giants there one year. But uh, you know if you find a Packers 1962 video, Jim Taylor is going to be all over the highlights. So, uh, again – an amazing man, one of the toughest players to ever strap it up for the Green Bay Packers. And like I said, one of my all-time favorites. Love the memorabilia of the pictures I've got here in the studio of Jim Taylor. The dude was just a man's man. I mean, he, he was just unbelievable. There's there's a really cool picture I, I like that I've got. It's probably one of my favorite photos. It's a picture of uh, Jim Taylor, Vince Lombardi, uh, Paul Horning, and Bart Starr in the locker room after a game. Jim Taylor missing a ton of teeth. They're all battered up. You can tell they're bruised and muddy. Um, Lombardi's holding the Coca-Cola. Uh, Paul Horning's smoking a cigarette. Bart Starr looks like a little angel in the back, not doing anything, just kind of hanging out with the guys. And Jim Taylor's there in the locker room drinking a cold beer. It's just one of the coolest pictures ever. But there's your history segment for the, uh, for the episode, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, now we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into the, the current running back room, and let's see if we can project what's coming up in the future. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, with the current running back room, I don't think we could ask for a better situation. I really don't. I mean, when you look at the PFF grades, let's just go right down the line here. I want to look at Aaron Jones first, okay? First of all, he was drafted in the fifth round in 2017 as selection 182, right? So in 2021, his PFF grade, Aaron Jones' PFF grade, 82.8, right? 2020, PFF grade, 79.4, 2019, 
2018, 80.7. And in 2017, 78.8. So this guy has performed since day one, right? As a fifth round pick, came in and played absolutely lights out. Now, when you look at the contract situation, this is where it gets really, really tricky. You know, they, they re-signed him last year to a four-year extension, if you guys remember. And when we seen the guaranteed money, we realized real quick that this is really just a two-year deal. And, you know, Aaron Jones could have gotten more money on the market. That's pretty obvious. Uh, everybody said he didn't, you know, his agents, everyone said he didn't really seek any other offers. He wanted to be in Green Bay. Aaron Jones has become a fan favorite for that very reason. I mean, he's a guy who's produced on the field. He was an underdog coming into the draft. He's always Mr. Smiles. You guys know he lost his father a couple years ago. And uh, he's just, he's one of those guys that, that he just screams Green Bay Packer. And I really hope they can keep him around. When you look at the contract situation, here are the current cap hits. In 2022, Aaron Jones' cap hit is only $5.9 million. I mean, well worth the cap hit there, right? Well, in 2023, it jumps to $20 million for the cap hit in 2023. And then in 2024, it's $16 million. So they're going to have to get creative if they are indeed going to keep him on the roster. What I could see happening, the fact that Aaron Jones took less money to stay in Green Bay, I would be really surprised if all of a sudden, with him already, I think right now, let's see what his age is exactly. He is 27 years old, right? Um, I have a hard time believing that after he took less money to stay in Green Bay or, or to, to re-sign with Green Bay, I really don't think that he's going to be like, nope, I need to go get my money. He just seems like the type of guy that's probably going to restructure his deal. So I'm hoping that happens. I really, really am. Now, if they do decide to cut him, let's say worst case scenario, uh, he says, no, I'm not, I'm not going to take a pay cut. All right, they're going to have to cut him loose. Well, if they cut him loose, they're going to save roughly – $10 million, actually $10.5 million if I'm looking at the contract right. So that money is going to come <laughs> come in handy big time um, if indeed they have to cut him. So with that being said, I think it's probably going to be a restructure, and that's what I'm hoping for. Let's say it isn't, okay, and we are without Aaron Jones. Let's go to A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon obviously was drafted in 2020, right? And he was the uh, the 62nd overall pick. He was a, a second round pick. And right out of the gate, his rookie year, PFF grade 81.4. Okay, 81.4 rushing grade. Go to 2021, PFF grade 86.7. I mean, I cannot think of another running back that was that consistent, that successful that quick after being drafted by the Green Bay Packers. I mean, he is, to me, he is the running back of the future. He is the guy that we want toting the rock, okay? We want Aaron Jones for his versatility, and it's a great problem to have. Now, again, I remember when they drafted A.J. Dillon, and everybody was like, why did they even draft? They wasted a second-round pick. They got Jamal Williams. They got Aaron Jones. Well, it's pretty obvious they knew they couldn't keep them both. That scares me a little bit. The fact that they let Jamal Williams walk walks kind of makes me wonder, okay, if it comes down to it, are they going to let Aaron Jones walk, right? Are they going to cut him loose? A little bit different situation because Jamal Williams was becoming a free agent, 
and Aaron Jones is still under contract. I, to me, it just feels like a gentleman's agreement that, hey, look, we're going to give you this money up front. Here's what you're going to ne- make the next two years. Just be prepared because we're going to restructure it in a way that you're going to retire as a Green Bay Packer. I really hope that's the case. But when it comes to A.J. Dillon's contract, this is the beautiful thing about A.J. Dillon's contract. He is uh, under contract through next year. Okay, So we got him this year. We got him next year. This year's cap hit, $1.4 million. Next year's cap hit, $1.6 million. So essentially what we're talking about doing, and we know the Packers love – they absolutely love signing their own draft picks to those second contracts. Um, I would, I, I'm guessing and projecting Aaron Jones is going to take a restructure and they're going to recycle that money into A.J. Dillon. If indeed A.J. Dillon stays healthy and he performs at a high level again this year. If not, it may devalue him a little bit. They may go a different angle, get him for a lot cheaper. But I just don't see it. I mean, the guy has been lights out both years he's been in the league. So when it comes to the running game, the Packers are in great shape. But I thought it would be a cool little exercise just to look at the running back room there a little bit and say, okay, what are the options? Another option would be to uh, to just let his contract expire, right? But at that time, you're talking about Aaron Jones being 29 years old, okay? 29-year-old running back. We know what kind of market there is for them or lack thereof, right? There's pretty much no market for a running back that's about to turn 30 years old. So I think A.J. Dillon is, is going to get re-signed. I'm wondering, when will it happen? I mean, will it, you know, the Packers kind of like to jump the gun a little bit. You know, they like to do it a year early. When they give them that second-year contract, they can kind of, you know, manipulate the, the cap a little, a little easier rather than having their backs against the wall in the last year of a contract. So could it come this year? Could they look at A.J. Dillon if he's performing well and halfway through the season, you know, dangle that carrot a little bit and go, look, you know, do you want to play next year and risk it all for that $1.6 million you're going to get next year? Or would you rather take this four-year deal, right, with, you know, I'm just throwing a number out there, a four-year deal with $15 million guaranteed up front signing bonus, and you're under contract for four years, you're staying in Green Bay, right? We all know A.J. Dillon is pretty much known as the mayor of Door County, right? If you guys don't know where Door County is, it's actually – northeast of Green Bay, up along the coast of, uh, of the lake there. And it's actually up in the area, I believe it was Door County, where Rockwood Lodge was. Um, if you guys don't know what Rockwood Lodge was, uh, Rockwood Lodge was a property that Curly Lambeau purchased um, to use as a training camp site for his Green Bay Packers back in the 40s. And um, unfortunately, it burned down. Um, but there's, it's funny, there's a little mystery there too, because there were rumors that it got burnt down for insurance purposes. I, I refuse to believe that, but they say it's absolutely gorgeous up there. And if you guys follow one of the, my favorite follows as far as Green Bay Packers on Instagram is definitely AJ Dillon. He and his, uh, I, bl- I believe it's his fiance. I believe they're engaged. I don't think they're married yet. Um, they are just a great follow, and and it's always about Door County. He's he's always talking about how beautiful it is up there, and that's where he lives. And uh, just a, a really really cool follow. Again, as someone who's embraced Green Bay, I could see the Packers using that to their advantage because you could just tell the guy wants to stay in Green Bay. It's just such a deep contrast from people like AJ Dillon, right, and people like Jair Alexander, and then Devonte Adams. Again, not to knock Devonte Adams. But Devontae Adams just didn't want to be in Green Bay. 
It's becoming more and more evident every day now. You know, Ian Rappaport, if I heard him correctly on the McAfee uh, show, Pat McAfee show, he actually said, if and now, he, he may have misquoted. I might have misheard a little bit, but the way I understood his comment was the Packers actually offered Devontae Adams more money in the first two years, more guaranteed money in the first two years than the Raiders offered him over the entirety of that contract. So what that should tell you is, Devontae did not want to be in Green Bay. But thank God we got people like Aaron Jones willing to take less money to be here, uh, A.J. Dillon embracing it. All the rookies this year have been very, very impressive the way they've embraced it. It's obvious Aaron Rodgers is happy here. Look at the extension he signed. There's there's plenty of players that want to play here. And you just got to say hats off to Goody, man, um, for putting this team together. I mean, again, this backfield, I can't think of another backfield in the league. I really can't, guys. What what other backfield would you prefer over this one? You know, some people would say, "Oh, Christian McCaffrey's you know light years ahead of Aaron Jones." Okay, when was the last time he was on the field? Because again, you know the quote: "The number one ability is availability." Right? The top two abilities are availability and accountability. Christian McCaffrey cannot stay healthy. Look at look at what this backfield has done, and. Uh, Again, it goes back to my comment from yesterday's podcast or a couple of days ago when I simply said, I would rather have a roster full of good players than a roster that has two or three superstars and a bunch of bad players. And again, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones are good football players. And I just love the combination they bring to the table. I really do. So um, there's your backfield talk. I thought it would be cool to kind of jump into that. As we get deeper into the offseason, I think we should do this with, with each position group. We'll look at the offensive line. We'll look at the receivers. We'll look at all that and just see where this cap money is being spent. But I'm telling you right now, man, um, the Packers are in a position to really set themselves up for the long haul, especially with Rashawn Gary and Elton Jenkins, if if indeed that knee is healthy. Um They've got they've really got a great shot at locking locking down these core players and I think freeing some money up to potentially go on a free agency run next year, depending on how all this structure falls into place and, and when the cap does increase. But um, again, there is your uh, your running back room for your twenty twenty two Green Bay Packers. All right, so as we wrap up the show, I know it's, a, like I said, a slow news cycle. The Packers obviously signed a long snapper. I'm really excited about that. Ryan done a great job covering that on his show. I don't want to dive too deep. It sounds like the guy has pretty much had a perfect record when it comes to clean snaps, so that's a plus. I know it sounds silly. It sounds minute, but, man, you go back and watch that 49ers game last year and, and the special teams throughout the entire year, that's a very, very important cog in special teams, and it looks like Rich Bisacci has kind of gotten back to the basics broken this thing down, building it from the ground up. So I'm really excited to see some of those aspects of the Packers, uh, you know, moving forward. But I thought as we wrap the show up, let's cover the power rankings. I'm not sure if you like power rankings. If you don't, cut the show off now. Y'all have a great night. (laughs) But if it's something you want to check out, I like to kind of get a pulse, you know, keep a, keep my finger on the pulse of uh, of what people are thinking around the league. Some some things are hot takes, and this could very well be one. <clears throat> but this is ESPN's uh, power rankings. I'm just going to go through the top ten here just to kind of give you an idea of what what it's showing as far as, you know, the uh, the teams in the NFL and, and who <clears throat> who seems to be, you know, at the top of the power rankings. All right, so at number one – actually, let's start at ten. At number ten, they have the Baltimore Ravens. <clears throat> at number nine, they have the San Francisco 49ers. At number eight, they've got the Dallas Cowboys. At number seven, they get the Los Angeles Chargers. 
Number six, they have the Cincinnati Bengals. At number five, they have the Green Bay Packers. Number four, the Kansas City Chiefs. Number three, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number two, the defending Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams. And at number one, they've got the Buffalo Bills. So the Green Bay Packers coming at number five. Um, that's kind of exciting to me. It really is. You know, anytime you lose a player, you know, at the caliber of, uh, of Devontae Adams, you know, you coming in the next year, you got to be thinking, all right, man, he was arguably their, our, you know, our second best offensive player on the entire team, probably our second best player on the team when it gets down to it, right? But the fact that we are still in the top five and we're ranked third in the NFC, like what they're essentially saying is if, if the game played out on paper and it was over today, right, if the season played out on paper and it was over today, the Packers would be the number three seed. I'm taking that, guys. I think that's good news. I really do. Now, yeah, we got to go out and play. You got to go out and perform. You got to go out and execute. All those cliches, but the fact that the Packers are starting in that number five spot, um, I think it's a good place to be. I really do. Um, and and when you look at you know the teams that are below them, right, the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, they represented the AFC last year in the in the, uh, in the Super Bowl, right? And the fact that they're basically saying the Green Bay Packers is better than Cincinnati Bengals. Again, we don't put too much weight into this, right? Too much stock into, into power rankings. But I thought it would be worth mentioning just to kind of let you know what ESPN is looking at. And, and a lot of that stuff does tie into uh, to betting odds and things like that. You know, they don't they don't throw out too too hot of takes, uh, knowing that they have a lot of partnerships with uh, with different betting uh, betting businesses. But I thought it would be worth mentioning. So with that, we're going to wrap the show up, guys. Again, we just wanted to get your history segment out. Um, wanted to kind of cover the running back room and look at those PFF grades because it's easy to hear. You know, you hear it all the time that A.J. Dillon's, you know, you hear some people say he's a great running back. You hear other people that don't don't keep up with the Packers much, that he's a bit overrated, um, one-trick pony, all those things. Um, and, and you know, when you when he gets right down to it and you look at the grades, I mean, we basically have two top-notch running backs. And that's something to be very, very excited about this year. You know, they're both under contract. They're both going to be playing this year. Um, I think that bodes very, very well for the Packers, especially with losing Devontae. And I just thought it'd be a cool episode. Let's jump into some Jim Taylor. You know what I mean? Let's uh, let's check out the old the old battering ram there for the Lombardi Packers. And uh, it's just amazing to me that every single episode, I can literally close my eyes. I can Google. Green Bay Packers, you know, all-time greats, close my eyes, point to the screen, and no matter who I point to, it's going to be an awesome story. It's going to be a player that's just like, wow, this is one of the best. Uh, It's just an amazing, amazing history that the Green Bay Packers have. So, again, thank you guys, as always, for listening in. Um, Like I said, we want to get out of here a a little bit quick, so we're getting out probably about 15 minutes earlier than we normally do. Like I said, kind of a slow day, but I wanted to give you guys something to listen to while you're out there on the grind. Again, hey, it's Thursday. We're, we're coming down a stretch tomorrow. We know how it is on Friday. We're going to mail it in on Friday, and we're going to get to the weekend, right? <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. Finish strong because I found that when you finish strong on Friday, that beer drinks a little bit colder on Friday evening when you're, when you're eating dinner, right? Here I am talking about going on a diet. Now I'm talking about uh, having a cold beer and eating steaks. So, um, yeah, not a good look. I'm a, I'm a little bit off track. But, again, thank you guys for, for listening, tuning in, hanging out with us. You could be anywhere in the world, but you choose to be right here with us. And we really, really appreciate your time. Um, make sure you check out 
the uh, GoFundMe on Ryan's Twitter account for Drew's service dog. Let's go ahead and knock that out. I know he had an awesome donation. I can't remember the, the young lady's name, but it was a $500 donation of that. Knocked a big chunk of it out. And uh, and like Ryan said, man, no no donation is too small, man. A dollar's a dollar's gonna help. If everybody listening donated a dollar, this thing would be done, and we could get that guy. Uh, we could get Drew his uh, his uh, seizure service dog and get that taken care of and check it off the list and move on to the next thing that we want to help with. But um, as always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. Hope you guys have a wonderful wonderful afternoon and evening, and uh, go pack go.